our company in times past grow 100 to 200% in a given year. Purchase everything from $10,000 up to a million plus, and we take all the hassle out of purchasing a luxury item. So we launched our knitting kits officially on the Today Show as a must-have holiday gift that year. I think being an entrepreneur and an inventor, you have to be very flexible. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the show that's all about entrepreneurs, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. Our guest this evening is Justin Goodbread, founder and CEO of Heritage Advisors and podcast host for Financially Simple. And for our executive spotlight, we have Donald Platner from Ideal Acquisitions, a personal purchasing concierge service for high-end luxury items. But we're not done yet because we have two incredible presenters today. Do you wonder what to do with your hands at night so you don't eat? <laughs> our first presenter can certainly help you That's a you loaded with that. question. Jessica Myrowitz can hopefully help you keep off the COVID pounds, right? And then we'll have David Mulford. Do you walk your dog? Or does your dog, dog walk, walk you? you? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Dave has got this fabulous new invention that you really want to hear about. So stay tuned. But before we get to our outstanding guests, we have a little bit about intellectual property, right? Right. So. So Patent Palooza, I need this. <laughs> it was invented in 1995. These two women filed a patent and got it through the patent office and got it issued for a fork with a timer. <laughs> so, right. you, you take a bite and you don't get to take another bite till the fork lets you <laughs> as a timer. Yeah, that reminds me of my dad who always used to tell me, chew your food 20 times before you take another bite. And he was always skinny, but it didn't work so well for me. I think so, I eat a lot more quickly. So this was issued in 1995. I don't know if they ever made it or not, but I guess people have been fighting with this issue for many, many years. A very decades. innovative solution. What I need is a magnet under the table (laughs) that plants my fork until an alarm goes off or something like that. The patent does have an on and off switch. So if you get tired of the timer, you can just skip the whole thing and eat like you normally do. So on to the next thing though, this is really interesting. I don't know who it's going to benefit the most, but France just won a big copyright suit against Google. Right. And everybody, when we say the word France, we all think about the French pastries and the French cuisine. This has nothing to do with that. It's really a legal war between Google and the French Association of News Writers as the rough translation. But in any case, in France and in the EU in general, they passed a law that requires content providers like Google to actually pay the publishers. And so, of course, Google fought this law in the courts and they lost in France. And just in January, Google is now forced to pay the news agencies directly for using their content. And it's based on the number of viewers and the exposure. But I think it's a kind of a fair deal because Google has been getting all the money from the advertisers and the publishers themselves, the people who have to pay people to go out and gather the news, aren't really getting a lot of money based on this. Lest we be remiss, as a law firm that does patents, trademarks, and copyrights, we found this article online, and it was published by U.S. News and World Report, and it was Associated Press Wire Service content. So we just want to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, and I don't know if this is a globally adopted principle, what 
impact it's going to have on internet news readers. Certainly, I would imagine Google's going to try to find some way to pass the costs on to the users. It wouldn't surprise me, but it is an interesting development and really kind of a major development in the world of news services and internet providers. So without further ado, I'm so excited to hear from this guest. Wow. He's great for small business. Yeah. And if you own a business, how do you maximize its value? Well, tonight on Passage to Profit, we're going to show you how it's done. So we have with us Justin Goodbread, and he's going to be talking about how you can double your business's net worth in three to five years. And so, of course, we all want to hear how that's going to happen. And welcome to the show, Justin. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I was listening. I was like, my goodness, I don't know if I can teach you how to double your net worth every three to five years in 25 minutes. It's pretty hard to do. So well, just talk you, set quickly, a, you set I mean, a high bar easy. for me. Yeah, well, you have some great tips for small businesses and some ideas. Right? Yeah, and I would just jump out and say just right off the top that if you're hungry for this kind of information, go to Justin's website. I checked yeah. it out before the show. And it was just amazing. All of the content that's on there, most of it is free, lots of great advice, information. And so if we can't get it all done, then go to his website and you'll get a lot more. I found it very informative. And as a business owner, I thought it was great. Right. So tell us about what you do. Sure. So I'm a uh, serial entrepreneur. That's first and foremost. I started my first company when I was 15, sold it when I was 20, started my second and third company, sold those in my 30s. So I've bought and sold and started three companies and sold them for a profit. So that's first and foremost, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. I happen to find myself in the world of Wall Street. And I got to tell you, I personally think Wall Street is the enemy for small business owners. I do. That's what I personally deal with. Now, look, we, we manage money for business owners through the Wall Street mechanisms. But I think that Wall Street has done us a disservice. And here's what I mean by that. I know that my capabilities and my team, which are rock stars in our company, can give me a better return than 10% of my return. I know wow. that. I've wow. seen our company in times past grow 100 to 200% in a given year. And several of the clients that we work with, we see that consistently where their businesses just accelerate. And so for me to take my money and throw it in the market, 100% of my money in the market and hope to get a 100% return is just irrational. Right. So to me, the Wall Street is oftentimes the enemy of small business. And I'll go further because the Wall Street types that I deal with, they'll come to me as a business owner and they'll say, hey, in order for you to reach your goals, make the money, come and let us teach you how to be wealthy. Give us your money and we'll, we'll get, make some money for you. I got to tell you, I want to tell them to go fly a kite. You know, it drives me crazy when I hear that. So I started a company in 2009 called Heritage Investors and I started a company right after that called Heritage Business Advisors and a third company called Financially Simple. All three of those work to educate business owners how we as business owners can double our net worth, not our company value, our net worth every three to five years. And we can do it if we so, coordinate all these things together. So Justin, when you're talking about improving the net worth, how much of it are we talking about managing costs versus growing sales revenue? Let's answer the question through a process. So it's a process that we walk everybody through and I think it's really easy to understand it at this point. Uh, Richard, great question. Just like most business owners, we start off with a plan. Where do we wanna be in some period of time? Now to me, it's where, how do I wanna exit my company? That's one of the very, the, the pivotal questions I have to ask myself consistently. I know I'm going to leave my company either through death or something, death, disability, somehow or another, I'm going to leave it at some point. I'm getting older every day. 
So I know I'm going to leave it, but how do I want to leave it? And what do I need to be when I leave this? Can I leave it on my own terms? Could I retire, quote, from my company in five years? Could I do it in 10 years? Could I sell it to the employees? Could I sell it to some sort of a competitor, maybe in five to 10 years? So once I know where I'm going, I now have a trajectory that I can try to shoot for. Then I look at where am I at today? What is my net worth today? What is my income today? What's my asset mix? So then I have this gap, right? I know where I'm at and I know where I need to be. In order to help facilitate that particular strategy, we have to bring in a lot of different concepts. We have to deal on a personal side with tax planning, and that's a huge area that we work with a lot of professionals around the country on. We have to deal with insurance mitigation. I mean, most of us are insurance poor. We have insurance agents who sell us a bunch of crap sometimes, and so we have to deal with that. We have to deal with the risk when it comes to legal matters like contracts, like patents, things of that nature, intellectual property. We have to make sure we're protected. So that's risk management. We have to grow our assets. And I believe that business, the businesses that we own is often the asset which can give us the best return. Aside from that, maybe real estate is a great asset for many people across our country. And we deal with retirement funds, but we have to use those properly for tax mitigation and, for, and ultimately bridge our net worth. So if we're looking at this mix to answer your question, Richard, I have to know where I'm at, have to know where I need to get. And then based on what starting point, it tells us where do we focus and how much energy do we need to put into the plan, whether it be grow the business, whether it be grow real estate, whether it be grow other assets, tax, whatever it is, it tells us how to do that. So I just want to clarify for people that may not know, could you explain the difference between net worth and say a balance sheet? Sure. So net worth is simple. Take everything that you own. If you were to say, I am quitting life today, I'm moving to Jamaica, man, right? I want to sell everything. (laughs) What would you sell it for and how much could you get for it? That's roughly your net worth. If you were to take all your assets that you own, money in the bank, you know, pots and pans in the house, everything, and just put it on the street and say, I'm selling it. That equates to your net worth. So it's really assets minus liabilities. A balance sheet basically gives you a statement on where your business is. It shows your assets minus liabilities of your business. So whenever we get into the balance sheet mechanisms, we often deal with that when it comes to value growth but it's not really the focus because sometimes we don't move our balance sheet in our business because that's a tangible asset quantification. In other words, we can see it. We know how much money we have in the bank. We know how much inventory we have, whether it's bulldozers or yarn or something like that. We know how much inventory we have, but what we often don't see on the balance sheet is what's called intangible assets, how we can use intangible assets to actually boister our company's value. Well, that's really great. So in your experience, do businesses that fail often fail because they don't have the fundamental pieces that you mentioned earlier in terms of insurance and all the other stuff that you mentioned? Is that a large reason for business failure or is it other things like management? Whenever I've been asked to come in or our team's been asked to come in and consult with struggling businesses, I can almost throw a common thread through three or four different areas that cause a business to fail. First of all, hold your mirror up. It's the business owner, hands down. We often want to be everything in our business, right? We want to be the firefighter and the janitor and the CEO, the CFO and everything else. We are control freaks. So first and foremost, it's oftentimes the business owner that causes the failure. Another reason for failure is because lack of cash, lack of capital. We saw that exasperated last year through COVID. We would often tell our clients to have a significant portion of cash and they would look at us and say, that seems like too much cash. But then the ones who listen to us, man, they doubled their net worth, many of them in one year. I would say if you want to grow your business, you have to invest somehow. You have to make some change, more marketing, more efficient production, whatever it is. And you have to have cash 
to be able to do that, right? Let's dissect it differently because I think you're you're on the precipice of where I try to get everybody to think in a business, okay? Business is divided into eight areas. And if you can identify these eight areas within your business, then you know how to fix your business. And we all, as business owners, we all don't think our business is perfect. In fact, my second book, which you can find on the Financially Simple website, is called Your Baby's Ugly because our business is our baby and often it sucks because we see the flaws in it. So if we can break out these eight key areas of our own business, then we know how to fix it. We know we can almost self-diagnose, but we shouldn't. So let's talk about the eight key areas. So first you have planning. Very few business owners take some time and do business planning, either on the startup or on an annual basis. In fact, our company just got back from a four day planning retreat with our entire organization to do planning for just this calendar year. So planning is number one. Then you go into leadership. We business owners think we're awesome leaders. Here's the problem. If we as business owners are down, are talking down, in other words, giving our edict down to our team and at the same time serving within our organization, then we're not the leader we need to be. We actually need to have managers or consultants who are, who are pushing our edict out to our team. That's true leadership. So we deal with leadership. We deal with sales and marketing. Those are the next two areas, which are different. Sales is getting people to buy your product. Marketing is getting them to the door. If I see one area of almost every business we work in that has a problem, it's marketing. Most businesses do not understand marketing. We throw dollars at it. So sales and marketing. Then you have the next four areas are people and operations. So people is our team. Is our team at rock stars? I mean, are we having best in class? Could our organization, the leaders of our organization, go to the trade show? So if we're lawyers, can we go to a legal convention and have our directors of operations talk to other directors of operations at that convention and say, hey, here's why we're the best? Most of the time we can't. So we have to have rock star team members and we have to have, when it comes to the operational portion, we have to have efficient throughput. In other words, when a customer comes to buy our widget or our service, how fast can we get the customer through the process with the highest customer satisfaction possible and the highest profits possible? So we have operations. And then finally, the last two areas are finance that involves everything from purchasing to ARs, accounts receivable to accounts payable. And we have our risk management, which includes insurance and legal. So if you took your business and you divide it into those eight areas, planning, leadership, sales, marketing, people, operations, finance, and legal, and you did an assessment, almost like the old SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, I would almost challenge every listener, whether you're starting a business, whether you're a seasoned business, like a business player like myself, that you can walk through those eight areas and say, oh my goodness, here's where I'm weak at, here's where I'm strong at, here's where I need to focus some time on. That is excellent. And we'll be right back with Justin Goodbread right after this commercial break. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright right protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at GE. E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. 
Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And Justin was just fantastic. And so. if you missed it or just want to hear it again, honestly, go to our YouTube channel, Passage to Profit, or you can find us on social media too. And we also have a website, but I really think people get a lot of value out of watching these shows on our YouTube channel. So please subscribe and go there. And now for our executive spotlight, if you enjoy sitting in a car dealer, for hours haggling with the car salesman, then our next guest may not be for you. On the other hand, if you hate it like I do, then Donald Pleitner, the founder of Ideal Acquisitions, may be your guy. With Donald, you can avoid the hassle and enjoy the results. And in addition, as an executive spotlight, Donald gave a $100 donation to the Rotary Club of New Jersey. Branchville, New Jersey Rotary Branchville Club. Branchville Rotary Thanks. Club. And Don, since I'm currently in the market for my third yacht, how can you help me? <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Richard and Elizabeth, for having me on tonight. Basically, Ideal Acquisition is a concierge purchasing company that we purchase cars, boats, and planes for people. We purchase everything from $10,000 up to a million plus. Us, and we take all the hassle out of purchasing a luxury item. I started this company back in 2014 after my family has been involved with the automotive industry for 75 years. I started at 13 years old at my father's Jeep store as a lot boy, moving cars around and learning the industry from the ground up. He put me on the floor as a salesman at 15 years old. So that was getting out in front of the public at an early age. After college, I went on to work in the family business. We had a dealership up until 2008, and then the meltdown of 2008, we didn't have the dealership anymore. Um, We had to move on, and I had to reinvent myself. And talking about family history in the automotive industry, just a side note, my grandfather was a spokesman for Gulf Motor Oil back in 1941. So there's actually an ad of him in Life magazine, so it's very interesting. We've been around the whole time. So after... I had to go buy a car for myself for the first time in my life. And I went to a dealership to lease it. And I was there for seven plus hours. And I was also there and watching a woman behind me who just purchased a car come back two hours later and ask for spare keys. Now, spare keys have been with cars since the 40s or 30s even. And the dealership proceeded to sell her her own spare key to her car for $125. And I said, this is insanity. This is the definition of insanity of what's going on. Another friend of mine asked me to go buy a car with him. And I said, I wouldn't do it. And after a week, he convinced me that I would go with him. So we went there and we spent over six hours there in the dealership. And he still didn't have a price on a car. And the salespeople are beating the hell out of him. The sales manager's coming over. They're putting the hard sell on him. And I'm watching this whole horse and pony show and saying to myself, this is insane. Uh, They had a popcorn machine. So I had popcorn and watched the show. And (laughs) after (laughs) I got bored, they ran out of popcorn. So I said to the general manager, I explained to him, I said, this is how the deal is going to work. Please, we're done today. And his answer to me was, we can't do this. I said, yes, you can. Just say yes and let's move on with our day. So five minutes later, he came back and said, okay, you have a deal. My friend goes to me, you couldn't have done this hours ago. So we could have been out of here. I said, no, I came for the show. (laughs) <laughs> so after that, we moved on to the F&I office. Now, in the F&I office, they proceeded to bump the payment $5 a month. And my friend was like, oh, okay, we'll do this. I said, no, we're not doing this. I said to the F&I manager, for what reason are we bumping the price of the car and the monthly payment up $5 a month? He said, well, I give you the real numbers out there. They don't give you any real numbers. 
I said, no, this isn't going to happen. I, my friend is going, no, it's okay. I said, you now be quiet. I said, I'm going to take this over now and run with this. Uh, we had the general manager come back in. I said to him, did we agree upon a price outside? He goes, yes. I said, well, why is he telling me that your price doesn't mean anything? And he's the only one that can give me a price in this dealership. They dragged the F&I manager out of the office that we were in. He came back in a few minutes later, rather upset, and basically told me I didn't understand how the auto industry worked. To which my response was, I've forgotten more than you will ever learn about this industry. So from that point on, I started coming up with the idea of people need help. I mean, a car, a boat, and a plane, they're luxury items. But a car next to your home is the second most expensive thing you'll probably ever buy in your life. And every time people go to a dealership, it hasn't changed in 60 some odd years. People right. do not like going. People spend hours there. They don't like the way they're treated. They feel that they've never gotten a good deal. I said, people need help. So I started Ideal Acquisitions. Well, all I can say is I'm glad they invented cell phones, at least. What did people do at car dealerships before cell phones? I mean, I guess read the full issue of the New York Times or something, right? But, uh, you know, it was incredibly frustrating. So Donald, what you do is you do all that legwork and then the customer comes in at the end and signs papers, walks out with the car, right? Or drives out. I guess, Correct. Right? I mean, the process is a little bit more than that, <laughs> but basically <laughs> we, from start to finish, we are done with a client in under two weeks, 99% of the time. From the time we engage with the client, we sit down with them. We go over everything that they're wanting in a car. And I had a client that told me one time that he was never allowed to pick the color of his car his entire life. And this is a gentleman that was now in his mid-50s and was told that he could only have whatever was on a dealership lot. So upon sitting down with him, I said to him, well, what, one of the first questions we ask is, what color do you want? It's a simple question. And he actually took two days to think about it because I was the first person to ever ask him what color he actually wanted for a car. Wow. Came back to me, told me what color he wanted. We located the car for him within four days. He had the car a week later. Now, funny story with that, the client moved recently from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. So we had an issue with driver's licenses. So one of the things that we looked at in this whole situation was that they had to get their driver's license changed to Pennsylvania so their insurance would match up. It did right. delay the closing by a week and a half, but the dealership was kind enough that with a deposit, they knew it was a solid deal. We were able to still continue with the deal, but we look out for all those little pitfalls with our clients to make sure that it runs smoothly. So when you buy my third yacht, I just want you to know, I want white with blue trim. I've already <laughs> so made up my mind. that for you, give me a week. So we're, we're winding the segment down. We have a commercial break coming up, but Donald, where can people find you? Go to idealacq.com. You'll find our website. We're doing a redesign right now. The new website will be up the end of February, but please come check us out now. And we serve anybody in the country. We can be anywhere. Within a couple of days notice, we have people spread out across the country. So wherever there is a car, boat, or plane to be bought, we can handle it. If it drives, floats, or flies, call Ideal Acquisitions. 
Thank you very much. It's been wonderful having you, and we'll be right back with more Passage to Profit right after this commercial break. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And now it's time for Power Move. Welcome, Kenya. Thanks for having me. So excited to talk about Whitney Wolf. Heard. She is the founder of Bumble. And if you're not familiar with Bumble, Bumble is a dating app that allows women to make the first move. So it was the first of its kind. Interestingly enough, she started at Tinder where she didn't have a great experience according to CNN business. And she actually ended up suing Tinder and starting Bumble, which is now worth $3 billion. And they are going public this week with an IPO. So I have a question. Elizabeth, would you have used Bumble to find me? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> we were set up on a blind date. We so were. yeah, probably. That was before all the dating apps even were in existence. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe. I didn't know that about you two, that you had been set up on a blind date. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was memorable too. We were the only ones in the restaurant and the waitress like kept standing like within three feet of our table. No, we weren't the only, it was a buffet. It was a buffet lunch. So like you get up, you serve yourself. And the waitress kept hanging around listening to everything we said. <laughs> so, anyway, well, anyway. I, I stand corrected on the uh, restaurant yes. part, but it was love at first sight. What well, can I say? Anyway, all I have to say is good for Bumble, woman power. Right. Go girl. And for once, I guess the guys get to reject the girls. So that's <laughs> that's a step forward in some way. I don't and know. And we get to reject the guys because you get to pick who you want. So that's yeah. how Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. The guys are the ones sitting behind the glass and the girls going this one, this one. <laughs> I see. Well, so, I guess it works both ways then, doesn't it? I so. guess it does. Anyone willing to put themselves on one of those sites, but I guess it's what you do these days. So I think it's a very efficient way. Better, better than know? a bar, I, mean, I guess. Yeah. Otherwise you just get just... right to the point. You don't waste any time. You pick right. and move. And you pick like, and who, move. Who wants to date the guy that your mom is introducing you to, right? So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> who wants to date the guy? your mom dated <laughs> oh god it's not that bad is it <laughs> so anyway so on to fireside so for those of you who don't know what fireside is i decided to do video interviews of people and put them on a directory so fireside directory my vision is to have it be the wikipedia of small business by video and i have to say that Justin and Donald have both done video interviews with me. And when I do the interviews, I make them all about you. I ask what you want me to ask. I ask like I'm a potential client, but it's really about the business owner and they can go as long as we want. And you could say a lot of things that you might not be able to get into a typical interview. 
And then I have them on my YouTube channel and on my website. And I've been kind of regrouping a little for the last month, kind of looking at how I'm doing it and what I'm doing and ways to make it more efficient. And so I'm starting to post again now, but I'm looking at getting videos from other places. I really do want it to be a tech project, a directory site. The reason I started doing the interviews was because so many people were uncomfortable on video. And I felt like an interview is a lot more comfortable than just talking into a camera yourself. Now with all the changes that have happened during COVID, a lot of people are just doing videos anyway. So I don't feel like I have to interview everybody. Although I do like interviewing people. I just really love it because there's so many fascinating people. But anyway, so I'm continuing forward, kind of regrouping a little. I think I'm going to go look at Financially Simple and get Justin's advice on that because (laughs) I think it's a good time to look at that. So it sounds like you're making great progress and it's a great place to go. If you're an entrepreneur and you want exposure and you have a video, you don't know where to put it. Or any business person doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. Right. And you can get extra exposure that way and you don't have to spend as much time networking. Right. Right. I haven't launched my big marketing effort yet. I probably need to get some help to do that, but I am going to market to the general public. And I have a lot of ideas around that and a lot of things that are in the works. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our presenter, Jessica Myrowitz has the company called itsayummy.com. What she does is fabulous and I don't want to say too much about it. So I'm just going to let her jump right in. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Tell everybody it's a yummy. What's yummy? (laughs) The yarn is so soft and yummy. So I (laughs) manufacture a custom made oversized 100% merino wool yarn and the company got started I had owned an advertising agency for 15 years. I closed that agency in December of 2015. Two weeks after I closed the agency, I decided I was going to take a couple of creative classes. I was going to try something new, expand my community, meet some new people. So I signed up for a pottery class and I signed up for a knitting class. I signed up for both of them on January 4th of 2016. One week into the pottery class, our pottery teacher said, go online and look for things to make in pottery class. And after about 10 minutes, I had more than two years worth of pottery I was going to be making. I didn't have the kitchen cabinets for all the pottery I was going to make. So I said, you know what? I'll look for something to knit. And I came across something that's called extreme knitting. And extreme knitting is knitting with very large needles and very large yarn. And I said, oh, I love the look of that. It's so interesting. So I said, I'm going to make a throw for my family room. But I couldn't find the quality of yarn that I wanted to knit with, that I wanted to put into my home. And since I had a little bit of time on my hands, since I didn't have the agency anymore, I started calling around to artisan-based mills. So smaller mills that I knew I could speak to the artisan personally and explain what it was that I was looking for. By mid-January, when those samples started coming into me, I'm like, this yarn is so fabulous. I can't be the only one who's going to want to knit with this. And I knew how to brand a company because I had been doing it for 15 years. So I said, I'm going to start a yarn company. And February 4th, one month after I had started the knitting class, I LLC'd myself again. And I called the company, It's a Yummy because the yarn is so soft and yummy. And when I would call up the mills, I would say, don't send me a sample unless you touch that yarn and say, oh, that is yummy. That's where the name came from. And then I spent the next couple of months going to sheep farms all over the Hudson Valley 
and really learning everything that I could about sheep and yarn and wool and immersing myself in that community and that culture. By the summertime, I had my mill picked out. I had a good base of product knowledge and I started writing samples, started writing my patterns for my products. I launched October 23rd of 2016 on Facebook. And I had never even been on Facebook before, but I had launched on Facebook because I really needed to touch every order because it was just me. I would be knitting all of the products. So I launched with three products and 13 colors, but there was such demand immediately. I felt very lucky that I said, how am I going to knit all of this? I knew that I needed more knitters and knitting is an art form. And I couldn't go to somebody who had been an existing knitter because I was producing a finished product. So I needed consistency. And like any art form, everybody's hand is a little bit different. So I needed to teach people to knit. So that way they could help me produce the products. I needed to teach them to knit just like I did. So I taught moms in my town all over Chappaquai, New York, how to knit so they could help me knit the products. And by February of 2017, a year after I had LLC'd myself, I had my knitting force in place and I was ready to introduce more colors and more patterns. And we did that. And by November of 2017, I launched my dot-com operation. We were ready to go that direction. So my website launched and we had at that point, probably over 20 products and over 40 colors. And I was selling the yarn. I was selling the finished products. I was selling the knitting tools. And I had a blurb on the website that said knitting kits coming soon. And I was lucky enough that the Monday before Thanksgiving, I was able to have a conversation and get my product onto the Today Show. So we launched our knitting kits officially on the Today Show as a must-have holiday gift that year. And that really changed the trajectory of our company. And as a result of that, people started interviewing me because here I was, I had reinvented myself in a creative field. And people would say, how are you knitting all of these products? And I would say, well, I'm not. I've taught all of these moms in my town to knit. And that sort of became a story unto itself, a cottage industry that was being created in Chappaqua. So people would then say to me, can you teach me to knit? I would love to learn to knit. And I'm like, well, I'm not really a knitting teacher. I guess I could try it though. I, I did teach all of these moms to knit and I guess I could. So I launched a class in the New York area and I was calling it a skill and a scarf in an hour. I would teach you to knit with my yarn and my needles. And in an hour you would learn and you would have made a scarf. And I just really loved the teaching aspect of it. So I started doing it more and more. And I was lucky enough that I started being approached by the top destination spas and resorts all around the country. And they asked me if I would come out and teach their guests to knit. So they would bring me out there and I started teaching more and more. And then corporations started calling me and saying, hey, will you come in and teach our team to knit? It's so mindful. It's so meditative. And it's a great team building experience. So at this point, my yarn company was really taking off. We had over 50 colors, over 50 products. I mean, it was really blossoming. And I loved the teaching. And I was traveling all over the country, teaching businesses, business executives, people coming to spas, hotels, all over the place, teaching everybody to knit. 
and everything was going along swimmingly well. And then COVID hit. Oh no. So I had all of these workshops that I was going to be teaching. And I said, well, what can I do? And I honestly, I never even heard of Zoom before COVID. (laughs) I didn't even know Zoom existed, but I started hearing about it in the first few weeks of COVID. And I said, I bet I can transfer my in-person classes to Zoom and start teaching virtually. And I was lucky enough that the classes really took off. We ended up getting written about in Parade Magazine and the Washington Post. And we started getting a lot of press for these virtual classes. And it was fabulous. I really loved it. The classes really started to bloom. And as an entrepreneur, what it's given me is a way to touch even more consumers around the country than I was even before. And it's given me another route of scalability. I can now scale through Zoom and I will keep Zoom even after COVID as part of my tools that I have and ways of reaching my customers. I've been lucky enough to be able to pivot this portion of my business that way. It's really interesting to hear about how you've scaled your business because really there's no machines, right? It's one person at a time to build the products. And uh, that's very impressive. How do you keep everybody organized? And how many people do you have knitting for you now? What I do is I rotate through my knitters. So it really is something that I wanted to make sure that they can do when it worked for them. I have one mom who knits at the hockey rink in the mornings when she's there with her kids and they're practicing. I have somebody else who knits in the carpool line. I have some people that knit all day long. I really wanted to work within their schedule. I wanted them to find a love of knitting and then also something that they can do to help their families or help themselves and find enjoyment that way. So I go through my Rolodex of knitters and I try to spread it around. I have certain people that like to do certain items more than others. And I will say to somebody, can you do this? I need this in a day. I need this in a week, whatever it is. And if they say no, it's totally fine. I go on to the next person and we have a really good system in place. And at this point, I still have my same knitters that I started with. And until they tell me that they can't knit anymore or their plates fall, at this point, I'm not bringing on any new knitters because I want to keep my core staff happy and knitting as much as they want to be knitting. That's great. So I want to move back to something you said. You keep saying that you were lucky. I don't think it's so much luck, honestly, but how did you actually get on the Today Show? Like what were the steps that you took to get yourself on the Today Show? It was through help. People stepped in and helped and showed them my website and my products. And I will not use the word lucky. I'll take lucky out of that. But I was fortunate enough (laughs) that (laughs) because of my background, because of having my advertising agency for so many years and having so many connections that way. Mm. Every, I believe, a core of many businesses or all businesses is relationships. Your relationships with your employees, your relationships with your coworkers, your relationships with your customers, and your relationships with your peers. And if you foster 
all of that. You never know when somebody remembers that and comes back and helps you one day. So Justin, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm amazed at your business, Jessica. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Just just the way that you've prevailed through some adversity, even with what we dealt with this last year. As I'm looking, you remember from what we were talking about, I'm always looking to the future. And I heard you say I, 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 I a lot, especially on the coaching and things of that nature. Do you have any plans in your future to take your your Zoom meetings, maybe move them to an online digital course, maybe a webinar process so that now you can remove yourself. Maybe not 100%. You may end up having like a monthly coach with Jessica type thing that they pay you for your time. Any thoughts around that? Yes. It's so interesting. When you were talking earlier, it really resonated with me when you said that the the owner has to sort of remove themselves because that's a really important part. And that has always been on my radar especially because of when I had my advertising business, because when it came time to leave that, I realized I was the business, even though there was profitability and there was accounts in place and all of that, it came down to going back to what I said before, my relationships, that was really something I've always been aware of, but it's tough because when you're starting a company, you are the product and both the product is something and you're something and you both need each other to propel, to build the business. But I did learn from my first go around as an entrepreneur that you do need that safety net in place. You do need to think, well, how can I sort of step aside or what do I have in place? So before COVID was hitting, I was actually training people to be able to teach because the product, which stands on its own, I had that aspect of it. And I went into the business with that thought process. But when the classes really started to take off and it put me again, front and center, I did know that I needed that in place. So I was training people and it's a certain personality to be able to lead a class because it's an entertainment aspect. It's not just coming in to learn a skill. You're entertaining somebody for an hour. So they have to feel like they're getting something out of you. You have to be dynamic. It's a certain personality. So I was working with people to get moving more in that direction. And eventually it will be something more where maybe there will be some master classes and some other classes and going more in that direction. So Yes. When you were talking about it earlier, I'm like, oh boy, do I know that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's absolutely been fantastic having you on the show and oh, uh, what a great you. project. If you're listening, don't go away because we have another really great product coming up. I'm excited about this. I saw a video of it. It's brand new on the market. And if you've missed the show or want to hear or see what has gone on, we have had just fabulous people talking on this show today with things that you need to know in this millennium. And so you can find us on YouTube at Passage to Profit Show, or you can see us on social media. We also have a website and our podcast will come out on iHeart. And if you want to be on the show, just let us know. Passage to Profit Show at gmail.com. Anyway, we'll be right back after this message. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the show all about inventors and entrepreneurs and business with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing a 
T-O-Z.com, inventing A to Z.com. Email me, Lisa at inventing A to Z.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventing Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we are on to our final presentation today. This next presentation is by Dave Mulford. He is a client of the firm. He had one invention and he was selling it and he decided to repurpose it and make another invention for doggies. Everybody loves their dogs, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to let him explain it. Welcome, Dave. Thanks so much. I'm Dave Mulford. And of course, I wanted to say that I've gotten some recognition by licensed brokers in California, just by the way my patent was written by Gerhard Law. It was so incredible and so fantastic. They said that alone was something that they're very interested in because of the way it was written. Unfortunately, their track record wasn't so great, so I had to push that aside. It would have been a great way possibly to get a license and start making the product and getting a royalty and maybe sometime down the road when that agreement was terminated, then I would relinquish that product and that business. And that way could be one way of getting something started. But that avenue didn't seem very appealing to me because I'm a really hands-on guy. You know, this is my baby. This is my project. And I wanted full control of the avenue in which it's going. And so there's a lot of obstacles and a lot of things, you know, just, okay, I got the patent. And the way it was written, you know, this is the umbrella right here. It's a fantastic double frame, double canopy umbrella, and the handle has a removable LED light in it. For our radio audience, Dave is showing everybody the lighted part of the handle, which lights up and it's quite bright and it makes uh, somebody walking in the street identifiable at night. Right. And if you had seen him on our show before, when he was on here, his first invention was the umbrella saver, which kept your umbrella from going inside out in the wind. It had connections on it and a flashlight in the handle too. So you could go out in stormy weather with an umbrella and still be safe. But you repurposed that flashlight, right? Yes, I did. Quick story, a friend of mine out in Pennsylvania has dogs, a dog breeder of Australian cattle dogs. And one evening she let one of her dogs out and unfortunately it ran across the yard and through the woods. And it was at nighttime and she couldn't see it and it never came back. And unfortunately, on the other side of that woods was a busy freeway. And she eventually, that next morning, did find her dog. Unfortunately, it was hit by a car. And she was devastated. And, you know, I was very sad for her. And so I thought, well, if you could see that dog at night, that would have been much better. You could have tracked your dog. The the person in the car could have seen that dog. So I I created for a baby flashlight. And this is the handle right here that it the houses it, that you can use it. I'm clicking the center, turning the light on. It has a flashing twinkle setting of different colors, very bright, where you can put it around your dog's neck and you hit it again, it's a solid LED light. And you can take it and then it twists out of the handle like this. And then it has a cord on it. And you can wear it yourself or and then you put it on your dog so that you'll be able to see it. And if you don't want to put it back on the handle, then you take it and you twist it and you just put it in this little canister that you have. It uh, comes with the kit. Yeah, I love the name yeah. of it. It's called Fur Baby Flashlights. I love the name. So yeah. Justin, it sounds like Dave may have hit a few obstacles here. Any thoughts about where to take this? Yeah, it all goes back to the marketing plan like we spoke about earlier. You know, I've got, it seems like some amazing products. 
Um, I'd be interested in it. We obviously don't have enough time, but if you're developing a full marketing plan, it's going to identify who is the person most likely to buy it. How do you connect with them? Who are they shopping through, et cetera. And if you have the marketing plan, now you're able to pitch your marketing plan to perhaps investors who are willing to come behind you and invest in that marketing plan to get that product to your potential customers. So I would be interested to see that if we were working together. And that's right about the point that I'm at right now. I did send a sample down to a packaging company and they asked me, well, how many do you need? I said, oh, I can afford maybe 5,000. <laughs> and they laughed at me and said, well, we're usually, we usually do like 500,000, maybe a million. I'm like, oh, okay. So then, you know, I think being an entrepreneur and an inventor, you have to be very flexible. And when something comes that doesn't quite work out, then you can shift gears and find something that does work. So what I did, this is a sample where I just took holding up a sample where you just print this off and just put it in a plastic bay and then there you go package it's a great product and i feel very good about it and i'm um, looking forward to this whole process you know meeting different people getting it out there and uh, very excited for it. you're the quintessent inventor david so thank you very much where can people find more about the fur baby light they can go to my website fur babies flashlight f-u-r-b-a-b-y F-L-A-S-H-L-I-G-H-T-S for baby flashlights.com. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710 with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, our special guest, Justin Goodbread, and we will be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Fantastic show, wasn't it? Excellent. So before we sign off, Justin, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? And Richard, you and Elizabeth, thank you guys for having me on the show. Just an honor and always a privilege to be able to just try to help America's business owners. You know, I often say I'll bet on the American entrepreneur every single day of the week. You know, COVID has nothing on us. I mean, we're going <laughs> to charge hell with a water pistol and make it happen. That's who we are. My challenge to us is this. Get out of our own way. Oftentimes we are control freaks. We heard it just recently. We're control freaks. We want to run our business because candidly, it is our baby. It is our baby. But only when we get out of the way of ourselves, do we realize our baby is not as pretty as it might seem. And we need to improve a little bit. So go out and try to find that excellent coach, somebody who sees your vision and can hold you accountable. I can't think of one professional athlete who doesn't have a coach. I can't think of one top executive who doesn't have a coach. And yet we business owners, man, we try to go out alone. It, it won't work long-term. We're going to end up causing ourselves some problems. So my challenge is find you somebody that can grasp your vision, who has the same passion and tenacity that you have with your company and go together. The old African proverb, which I love says, go fast, go alone, go far, go together. I'll leave you with those words. 
Excellent. And what's your website? Where would you want people to find you? Sure. Check out Financially Simple. That's the hub of my whole life. And you, from there, you can see the books we've written, the podcasts. The blog has over a thousand or so now articles. If you, I challenge you, if you find a topic that we haven't written on, message us and we'll put a topic on it. Excellent. Well, it's been wonderful having you here. Thank you. Kenya, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? I don't know about words of wisdom, but um, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think this was a, an amazing conversation. Um, I was wondering, Jessica, if Jessica did not have a patent on her yummy, you should, might think of getting a patent, right? And you, I know somebody who you could talk to. <laughs> happens to be the owner the of, of Gearheart Law. You should definitely talk to Richard if you don't have a patent, because I think what you have is unique in the marketplace. And and if you can patent it and own that, that's amazing. I love what you're doing in this space. Donald, when it's time for me to get my green Bentley convertible, I will be hitting you up. <laughs> Not a problem. Right now I have a green, right now I have a green Camry. So I have a little ways to go, but you know, when the time comes, you're my guy. I think what you're doing in this space is amazing. And David, I love the light, especially for the dogs and pets, right? We love them. We want to make sure we know where they are. And I definitely think you have an amazing invention and I see it in every pet smart across the country. And Justin, it was super nice having you on today. You're so knowledgeable. You shared a lot of gems and jewels. And I think I need to be connecting with you because my husband and I have started this home improvement business, which we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. So <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely be talking to you. And just thanks again to you uh, and Richard Elizabeth for having me on here and having me be a part of this. It's been so, great. Excellent. So I'm going to recap everybody's websites real quick. Justin Goodbread, financial advisor, but the way he does it really helps you be successful. Financiallysimple.com. Donald Platner, car concierge. He helps you find the right car, yacht, airplane, whatever moves for you. www.idealacq.com. And Kenya Gibson with a P at iheartmedia.com for all of your digital marketing, radio needs, whatever you want for advertising, she can help you. Jessica Myrowitz with itsayummy.com. Big, soft, yarn that is selling like hotcakes and instructions on how to knit and david mulford with furbabyflashlights.com lights that you can slip over your dog's head so that you can find them at night and cars can see them so i thought it was a great show i thought it was absolutely awesome you're listening to passage to profit on wor don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and make sure you also check out our YouTube channel. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York.